Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week we are discussing Season 2, Episode 2, Hammers and Veils. The Netflix bio for this episode is Rory's sudden flurry of extracurricular activity strains her relationship with Dean. Emily is cold when Lorelai finally reveals her big news. How did you feel about this episode in general? Hmm, I it felt like a a second episode to me, mm-hmm. but a solid one at that. You know, the I think the second episode can really be in the shadow of a season opener. It's kind of like back to business, right? (laughs) But it continued a lot of the threads established in the first one. How about you? I agree. I wasn't like that enthralled by it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like it it did its job. I felt like it was setting up a lot of stuff for the season, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't particularly, I don't know didn't grab me like others do (laughs) at what point in the episode did you start to google when jess arrives or did you wait till (laughs) after (laughs) i waited until after because i forced myself to take notes in a notebook Mm -hmm. so i like don't have my phone out but it was a close call (laughs) (laughs) i understand (laughs) i don't really remember much of season two so it has me wondering how much longer we're in summer if there is a time jump or um, if fall arrives quickly because I don't recall it being like a whole season of the Mm -hmm. summer. So I'm just curious to see where they go and how the timeline of it it all is going to unfold. Yeah, I, I was very confused. Okay. Before we get into that more, we can do our Talking Fast segment to see if we can encapsulate this episode in 30-second recaps. <laughs> I think you get to go first this time. Do you feel mm-hmm. prepared? As I ever will be, I think. <laughs> okay. Ready? Go. We are planning Lorelai's wedding shower, which is the ending main event. Sookie plans it. Sookie had, you know, last episode called her mom, so Emily's been mad. Lorelai finally tells her, but Emily reacts coldly because she already knew. Uh, Max's parents, meanwhile, are very happy about it, I guess. Rory is freaking out because she feels like she needs more extracurriculars to be able to get into Yale. So she's building a house. She's canceling plans with Dean. She's stressed, but they make up by the end. And Lane leaves for Kriya. Okay. (laughs) That was pretty good. All over the place. (laughs) That was pretty much everything that happens, though, I think. Maybe. All right. Would you like to give it a shot as well? Sure. We'll see. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one, go. So we start off with Rory signing up for an extracurricular building event, which seems like not a beginner's kind of thing. (laughs) But she's getting ready for summer. 
Um, Emily ignores Lorelai at Friday night dinner. Richard and Rory make up at Friday night dinner. And then Lorelai tells Emily that she's engaged and Emily's very brusque and cold about it. And so the rest of the episode is basically Lorelai being angry at her mother's reaction and Dean being angry at Rory for having other things going on in her life. And then there's a party. Okay. okay. And then there's a party. <laughs> uh, close enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Should we slow down and talk about the episode in depth? I think we should. <laughs> I liked this introduction. I think it's like one of the ones that sticks in my memory the most when Lorelai comes down the stairs and she's wearing a veil made out of a newspaper on her head and she um, is like debating different veil lengths and Rory just starts reading the newspaper that's on her head. Um, I just like <laughs> remember that scene very clearly. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, can you turn around? I want to know what the weather is tomorrow. (laughs) But we kind of get, like, this setup at the very beginning that Lorelai, like, she's definitely thinking about the wedding stuff, but it doesn't feel quite right to her yet. Like, she isn't interested in going to try on a whole bunch of dresses yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And they walk out the door and supposedly they're going to look at more dresses, but I'm not sure how that goes (laughs) yeah or it seems like the to me it was interesting that the most we see her at this point is this interest in the planning of it Mm -hmm. of like the the veil the dress things like that compared to later on we'll start to see her and max talk about like their parents and a bit more of the what i consider to be like the the pressing concerns you know here about their relationship and their families things like that but i almost wonder if it's like easier for her to think about a veil right (laughs) and um as she describes it the most important fashion decision (laughs) she'll ever make which is important to her too though (laughs) yeah that's true they haven't even met each other's parents Mm -hmm. which is shocking to me in a way (laughs) I know most people do that, like, when they're dating, you know, have gotten serious but aren't engaged yet, Mm -hmm. I think. Right. And speaking of getting serious, the other major plot line of this episode is that it seems like later that day, Rory heads to Chilton because I guess they're having summer school. I felt like this Mm -hmm. was a... Kind of a, you know, sort of a plot device to get Paris there to keep that conflict going. Because in reality, in the conclusion, it seemed really like this is the summer. We will not see each other. Paris says, like, have a good summer threateningly, you know. But beyond that, it's setting up this plot line about Paris kind of bringing this awakening to Rory that... It turns out you need more than just good grades and attendance at Chilton to get into Harvard. You need extracurriculars. And Rory, in classic Rory fashion, takes this very, very to heart and starts freaking out and manically pursuing all kinds of activities and uh, volunteering and things like that through the episode. (laughs) Yeah, I have a rant about this coming but i'll save it until later but we do Mm. find like she signs up for a building project which 
my mom has done a whole bunch of work with Habitat for Humanity, like uh, helping them build houses and stuff. And my mom's mm-hmm. a very handy person. And so it's not like out of character for her to do something like that. But it seems like Rory could have picked a choice that might have been slightly less out of character for her and dangerous. <laughs> yeah. But- yeah, completely agreed. <laughs> it sets up a, an interesting interaction for later. Yes, it does. <laughs> a small thing I would point out from this scene is that Rory runs into Henry. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of <clears throat> finally an update on Henry and Lane that we've been waiting for. And uh, he gives Rory his phone number so Lane will be able to contact him. But the thing I wanted to point out is that Henry asks Rory what classes she's taking this summer. And I'm unsure if this is a joke or not it could be both but she says she's taking Shakespeare physics and obscure Russian poetry and I just wanted to flag that as yet like one of our continuing questions about like what the hell is this curriculum why would she be taking Shakespeare when it seems like that was all she was learning in her English class she already took and how does Russian poetry fit into that Mm -hmm. that's a separate class like yeah physics makes sense to me but (laughs) I won't know if this was a joke or not, but caught my attention. (laughs) They seem more like college classes. Like, Mm -hmm. even at a private school, I doubt you'd have... I mean, maybe, I guess, in the summer, if you had one of the faculty at the private school, like, had a PhD in Russian poetry or something, and they could do that in the summer. But that also seemed like a lot of classes to take in the summer. Mm -hmm. And a lot of students were there for summer school. seemed kind of out of the ordinary. (laughs) Right. Did you have summer school through any of the schools you went to? For us, it was like if you failed a class, like at my public school, you went. And so it kind of had like a bad reputation because people were like embarrassed to admit they had failed classes, which is, you know, that's not great that they have Mm -hmm. to feel that way. But like it wasn't like you could just go take optional classes. Yeah, I think it was the same for us. Like if you failed, you'd go for like half days for a few weeks or something to make up the stuff but it wasn't yeah it wasn't like electives it wasn't like adding extra credits to your repertoire or something mm-hmm. yeah sounds like a Chilton thing then <laughs> moving forward we have a Friday night dinner and this is you know featuring I think an important scene as well when Richard apologizes to Rory for all of the things he had said previously. We hear he did this over the phone already, but he is doing it in person to kind of like check in with her, which I thought was very sweet of him. Like that's a nice touch. And he um, says like, I didn't care for it, their first fight, which I thought was like a very Richard way of being like, "Mm, I didn't care for it and we're fine now. And I'm just glad that they're... It's water under the bridge, hopefully, at this point. This was my gazebo moment for the episode because I just loved how, like, you could really tell that Richard was really, really sincerely worried about this. Mm -hmm. And he was just waiting for some sort of reassurance. And Rory's hug hug for him, he just kind of, like, melts at the end. And it was so cute. But I also had another thing I noticed that I thought also pointed towards this reconciliation and it was actually Mm -hmm. from Emily 
or I would assume it's from Emily, but when Lorelai and Roy walk in the door, the flower arrangements right by the door are all sunflowers. And I remember Mm. that Rory has told Emily sunflowers are her favorite flowers. (laughs) So I wondered if this might be like a little, another nod towards reconciliation for Rory. But (laughs) that was my favorite part was just how much they clearly care about her. And Mm -hmm. it's so much easier for them to make up with her than it is for Lorelai, which is just so sad there's so much more like baggage there Mm -hmm. yeah we'll see that especially in like the final scene of the episode is another example of that continued rocky reconciliation even when one of the parties is like actively trying to make it happen Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) during the apology um Lorelai and Emily are sitting at the table And as soon as they had walked in for Friday night dinner, Emily had been acting pretty strange. She was like in a huge rush, supposedly because Richard had an early flight the next day, which seems weird. Why didn't they just move dinner up? (laughs) But Mm -hmm. so she Mm -hmm. was like eating quickly and not talking. And Lorelai keeps trying to start these conversations and Emily keeps ignoring her. So finally, Lorelai decides this is the moment, which seems like an interesting choice to tell Emily that she's engaged and it does not go well. (laughs) Emily's response, I think I wrote this down verbatim, but we'll see. Um, Her response is, well, I think that's very nice. I'm sure we'll be, I hope, sure hope we'll be in town for it, but if not, I'm sure I'll be sure to send you a nice gift. (laughs) I'll go check the roast now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's so cold. It was. And I think Lorelai has been building this up in her mind so much. Mm -hmm. Like, what what will her reaction be? So to have it be so, like, uncaring, not really treating it as anything special at all was, like, um, shocking to her. And then also we'll see how it, like, really is in her head for the rest Mm -hmm. of the episode until the sort of, like, drunken yelling encounter about it later on (laughs) yeah I was kind of surprised I definitely see where Emily like where she was struggling and why she might react in this passive aggressive way and it reminded me I think later in the series when there's another engagement for Lorelai she reacts in a similar way you mean you mean she doesn't get married to Max (laughs) spoilers (laughs) but At that point, I think the excuse is like, oh, you've done this before and haven't actually made it all the way, so we won't be excited. Mm -hmm. But in this one, it's still, as far as we know, Lorelai's never been engaged. Like, she never did that with Christopher, and I don't think she's had a serious boyfriend since then, so that was just really rough. It was rough to see. (laughs) I know, and it's just the epitome of, I think we've talked before about her choosing to repress things or choosing the passive aggressive route and this is just textbook that you know and it's so like I think what can make her character so fascinating is like we have at the end of last episode her 
demanding Richard apologize to Rory so that she can tell them when she gets engaged. It's like super emotional, very like, you know, spot on. But then she can't apply that lens to like any of the reparative work of the daughter, you know, that you do have. Like if you can admit something went so wrong and you have to control your actions moving forward with a different person, (laughs) why not spend any of that like with the current person? But I mean, yeah. That's just the question of the entire series, really. Yeah, and it also just kind of seems so... I mean, it doesn't seem so immature. It's very immature. It just is. Mm -hmm. That, like, she is kind of setting Lorelai up for failure here. Like, she could have easily mentioned, I heard some good news about you. Do you have anything you want to tell me? Or something like that. Just to give Lorelai the benefit of the doubt for taking some time to tell her I don't know yeah that's like what setting someone up to fail so you can feel self-righteous about like Mm -hmm. I knew they were going to fail yeah it's definitely not a healthy way of um it's not healthy at all (laughs) yeah yeah seriously so we end pretty abruptly after this and we're back at in Stars Hollow kind of walking around the town square and Rory is attempting to comfort Lorelai. Um, Lorelai is pretending to be okay. <laughs> yeah, I call this the post-dinner debrief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds good. I think we talked about that before. We're like, we noticed the pattern of almost every Friday night dinner is followed by them walking around and then going to Luke's for like mm-hmm. second dinner, but it seems mostly more therapeutic, um, like working through what happened. <laughs> yeah. We actually, that's said explicitly when Lorelai asks for a rant meal or Mm -hmm. (laughs) Rory orders a rant meal for Lorelai and Lorelai says, no, I want an acceptance meal. I have no idea what those are. (laughs) Eventually she ends up ordering a Luke's giving Lorelai a migraine meal (laughs) because Luke has gone off on a rant of his own about how weddings ruin families and... (laughs) I couldn't write all of this down, but so much about planning the wedding and the reception. Someone always gets drunk. Someone goes home with someone else's wife. It was a very humorous rant of his. It was not a gazebo moment for me. It was not up there with the best of his rants, but I did appreciate it. I feel Mm -hmm. like we're at the age where we know a lot of people planning weddings and it seems like they're really stressed out all the time by it. So I felt like his rant was accurate. Yeah, personally, I don't see what the fuss is about weddings, but, you know, to each their own. It is tr- it is a tradition, so do what mm-hmm. you want. <laughs> but that I feel like these first few scenes were all pretty short and, like, succinct. Nothing really happens except to set up what's what the rest of the episode is about. Mm-hmm. And that's why we spent, you know, only a couple minutes talking about them. Yeah. (laughs) Because they were so short and succinct. Yeah. Uh, Right. (laughs) (laughs) But the next morning, so I've been, I've like conceptualized this episode as taking place over just one weekend, but I'm not really Mm -hmm. sure as usual with the timeline of this show. I think (laughs) it did, which is why I think there was a slight mistake when they said Richard had an early flight in the morning because then later on, that like the next day Lorelai goes back there and Emily mentions like Richard being there and I'm like no he Uh was supposed to be on a plane (laughs) Uh, continuity people (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. But the next day, I guess Saturday morning, is when Rory is going off to start her building project. <laughs> Before she can leave, Lorelai has a gift for her, which is this like garish uh, hammer covered in pink rhinestones and like feather boa type stuff. <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> uh, garish is the perfect adjective for that. I like that. <laughs> this hammer was my um, Lorelai's closet nomination. <laughs> I think I this might be stretching it a bit because it's not clothing, but it's like Lorelai approached this very practical tool in the same way that she would her fashion in her closet. And I thought it was just so uniquely Lorelai. As you mentioned, um, they point out that the hammer has feathers, rhinestones, and bows. It's very pink and fluffy. I think it's really funny when she brings it out at the construction site later on and the sort of gruff construction worker is like, there's a hammer under there? Like, I just thought it was funny. <laughs> it seems. I You can barely see, like, the head of the hammer or the mm-hmm. little prongy things at the back. I'm sure there's a better name for them. It seems very impractical, but... Totally. <laughs> To make something so practical, so impractical mm-hmm. is what is worth the nomination, I think. It's like a, an accomplishment. Yeah, a Lorelai skill. <laughs> we also get a little bit of Lane time, and we're still like on the same storyline as we had last episode, which is Lane is being sent to visit relatives in Korea, and she doesn't know when she's coming back. She is bringing all of her rebellion stuff (laughs) to Rory for safekeeping at this point with like boxes full of her uh, CDs and clothes and lava lamps, presumably, Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like as a farewell kind of thing. I liked this. I mean, I wish we got more of Lane, but this was a fun little scene, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She has a Lane retrieval kit that she gives Rory as well, which is still, I I won't say more. I already made the critique, you know, about this storyline, but I felt the same way about it here. And like you said, I wish we got a bit more from Lane. Like, it was really just the same beats as the first episode already. But, yeah. I like that she had to hide all of her stuff from her mom. (laughs) It's very true to Lane. Yeah, I could just imagine Mrs. Kim, like, going and checking all of the floorboards when she's gone. Mm-hmm. Just to be sure. Or has Mrs. Kim ever opened Lane's closet? Like, yeah. That's you would the think. hot pink and orange <laughs> lava lamps. Like, does she not once put away her laundry for her? <laughs> and when in the last episode, when Lane left the closet, she left all the little lights on. So there was like pink glows coming out from under it. So I don't know. Maybe. Mrs. Kim really respects Lane's privacy. That seems doubtful, though. No way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) As Rory is leaving, after, you know, talking with Lane, she runs into Dean, who is confused. And I feel like I get this a little bit. Like, Dean is like, she's on summer vacation. Lots of time to hang out and whatnot. And he discovers, like, oh, she's going to volunteer for the day okay cool 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 like let's hang out later tonight you know it worked out pretty well also he was trying to convince her to not go and said 
that they could go to a bookstore and he would watch her browse for six to seven hours, which is like a pretty attractive (laughs) offer. Yeah, I was like, and you turned that down, Rory? (laughs) We get like a little Amazon reference here too, like back in Uh the beginning days of Amazon when it was just books, um, which I like barely remember that being the case anymore. But she said he can watch her browse Amazon. (laughs) I was shocked by that. I did not think Amazon was around at the time of Gilmore Girls, actually. So I was like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah, it must have just been beginning. I don't remember buying or like shopping on Amazon until like later in the 2000s. I barely remember when Netflix was mailing you DVDs. (laughs) I I kept doing that until like... I was in college, but that until like 2010 or something, because <laughs> I didn't have good internet back in the day. Back in the day. <laughs> All right. So Rory finally makes her way to the building site where she gets like no instructions whatsoever. Mm-hmm. They expect her to have her own hammer, which I thought was unusual. Like, wouldn't they provide tools? Yeah. I don't know how this house is standing, if that's how they treat all their volunteers, or do they just have, like, a code for Chilton students where, like, oh, just put them off, like, let them put a couple nails in a wall and we'll let the other people do the real work. I don't know, but I thought it was really strange. Mm -hmm. I was wondering, the more that I think about it, the more I think I'm wrong, but is this (laughs) the same guy who plays the contractor later on when they're doing the dragonfly in they had like the similar build and voice but i just don't know you couldn't really see this guy's face very much because he had on like safety glasses and a hat and everything i think you could be right because he did look familiar to me don't they also have a whole construction crew for lorelei's house at one point yeah yeah that's he, true. So he could he, he could be both like dragonfly guy and house construction guy, but he looked yeah. familiar to me. So I think you're on to something there. I'll have to, and that can at least be our head cannon. <laughs> yeah, continuity where there isn't in the basic structure of the show, there is in the casting. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel 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 <laughs> is showing that, if nothing else, the consistency yeah. in casting. <laughs> that's true. Ooh. I mean, that sounded like I disapproved, but I didn't mean <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> Anyways, um, at the building site, strangely, for this being such a big part of the ep- or like point of the episode, we barely get any time here. Roy just goes and starts to hammer a random nail into a random post, not securing anything. <laughs> but Paris shows up and tells her that this is her wall supposedly, that she's been working on, and starts to talk about all of the different extracurricular activities she's been doing, and further freaks out Rory about her future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of, you had mentioned um, your mom doing similar volunteering and how she was like a handy person, and this I kind of liked that Paris, when we see mm-hmm. her, she's like giving out really specific instructions that I can't even repeat because I am not handy, but she names tools by specific names. She says Rory would be better off working on the cement. She says she put up this whole wall. Like, 
Paris, I love, I love that they wrote her in as like very capable and like very qualified. And she mentioned she's mm-hmm. been doing this for years. Like, I just felt this was so of Paris's character. Like, you might, like, uh, you might have thought she'd be like useless, like Rory, or just like book smart, but she's like, she's just mastered this random construction skill that she'll probably never really use and sure it's just for her resume but it's like if she's gonna do it she's going to like be an expert at it and she was actually really qualified and capable which I just like loved I thought it was I liked that (laughs) yeah she's proficient at everything it reminds me a lot of the college Paris that we get in later seasons just very committed to everything she does in strange ways sometimes. She says, I'll have a life after Harvard when Rory's mm-hmm. like, how have you had a life if you've been like volunteering since you've been 10 years old? Um, which I don't agree with. She should have a yeah. life this whole time. But that was such a Paris thing to say. Like after Harvard is when I will live. <laughs> yeah, but little do you know, after after your undergrad, then you have so much more to do. <laughs> Like, you have to get a job, or you have to go to grad school. (sighs) It never ends. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we know from the revival, Paris went to, like, multiple degrees after, I think. Didn't she have, like, her law degree and her medical degree? Yeah. If I recall, it was, like, the timeline didn't quite add up for her character's backstory for the revival, but still. She was one of my favorite parts, no matter what, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Anyways, back to when they're 16. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) We don't get, as I was saying, we don't get any more of this, except we get Madeline, who's kind of been being nice to Rory or like forgetting to be mean to Rory. (laughs) So (laughs) either way. (laughs) Yeah. So we get an idea that, you know, that bridge hasn't burned completely. Um, But then we're back in Stars Hollow and Dean is waiting at the bus stop for Rory. And then we get a great little fight and freak out, which includes my Friday night dinner nomination. So mostly, so Dean is asking, you know, can we hang out this evening? Rory's saying, no, I can't. I have all these things to do. I have to catch up. And there were a couple things that led to this, my Friday night dinner nomination. First off was at one point, Rory says she needs to find a kid and teach him how to play um, soccer or some sport. And that was I know. a big... I was like aghast that she said that. Yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me, Rory? Yeah, like that's... First off, that word is super derogatory. And also that's just so condescending and ableist and it's just mm-hmm. really disappointing Um, If you are thinking of things you need to, like, volunteer for, there are so many other options you could do without, like, blatantly insulting people like that. Mm -hmm. But my Friday night dinner, so it was two-pronged. It was that, and then it was also just the absolutely ridiculous expectations for higher education um, applications and stuff, especially for private schools that are so exclusionary to pretty much everybody except legacies (laughs) and part of what I like this whole episode was thinking was 
so much of what we're seeing is just an argument for free college. <laughs> I think university, public university should be free for everybody. It is in so many other countries, and there's no reason why we couldn't do that here, except that people are greedy and can't imagine doing something different than how it's always been done. Mm-hmm. But it's completely possible. And like Dean is saying later in the episode, like Roy is trying to convince him that maybe he could go to an Ivy League school. And he's like, you know, just no. <laughs> but I think a lot of that also has to do with Rory doesn't recognize a lot of the privilege she has. And she might think that she doesn't have it because she's grown up with a single mother who had extricated herself from the upper class, but she is still like so entrenched in the upper class. She goes to this private school because she has rich grandparents who can pay for it and she doesn't have to work at all. So she has time to do extracurricular activities and she has all of this support to help her apply for college and everything. And when she goes mm-hmm. to college, she doesn't have to really worry about finances because there are a million backups for her. And that's just not the case for most people. So I was just, this whole scene just reminded me of how much I hate the higher education system in this country and it needs to change. It's really depressing. Yeah, very, very well said. (laughs) I was thinking of a similar Friday night dinner critique. I didn't really know where to place it because this, these concerns were kind of threaded throughout the episode. I was thinking a bit along the lines when, Rory is talking to Lorelai in just a bit um, about how she needs to spend her whole Saturday night like making all these calls trying to volunteer at this camp or at this library which apparently their library only has 12 books which is a -hmm. weird fact and you know okay but (laughs) (laughs) um, I think and you said really all that I would say I just found myself thinking about this very like resume building style of Mm -hmm. volunteering where her heart is not in it at all she's not looking for specific clauses it's really to put that line on your resume or cv which i think takes out all of the point (laughs) of doing those things and if this was like you know the classic like on the show the good place if you're getting (laughs) points for volunteering like you're not gonna get good person points for that in the end really because you're not doing it for ethical reasons it's so selfish but as you said it's very two-pronged like there's that but then there's also the expectation she's facing where like it's so unrealistic for her to like oh get into college based on her like ideas or you know like her academics and even that is problematic when you think about like it's all reduced down to like test scores or things Mm -hmm. like that that aren't really a reflection of learning either in many ways so I'm I thought this was like a critique in which the show was putting forward this critique fairly successfully by like representing how she's going through all of these issues in this like Ivy League college system that is like planned for her to really not succeed practically. Um, But then they didn't make it. I, I don't know. I agree with you that the line was like that she says was way too far in that too. So mixed feelings ultimately, but in the end, it just made me feel really bitter that through all of this, it's Paris who does not get into Harvard and Rory does. When it's like Paris has said she's been doing this since she was 10. Like, 
and six generations of Gullers went to pair went to Harvard. So I, that's just big main character energy for Rory when that comes across the line. But yeah, that's course. for later. <laughs> what you were just saying reminds me of a Friday night dinner you had like in the very beginning of season one with the um, charity that Chilton was uh, donating some to. kind of bird owl. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Just for show. All of this is just for show, and that kind of takes us back to the construction guy foreman who probably 100% knew that this is all just so that they can get signed off that they did this community service type thing yeah and not actually to help <laughs> with building so I've been watching the Gilded Age like you recommended and mm-hmm. that show is all about just random ass charities mm-hmm. and it's really so much about like society them hanging out with friends or getting status from donations random stuff it's all very like not actually about helping anyone <laughs> yeah it's such a good show <laughs> We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. Come one, come all. It's another Sookie shindig in Stars Hollow. And you know what that means. Cookies, cakes, tiny hors d'oeuvres, delectable dishes, and fresh fruit tarts, courtesy of a certain gentleman. While you partake in delicious delectables, expect the finest entertainment arranged by Miss Patty's Dance Studio. At least six young girls wearing flower girl, flower girl dresses will tap dance, testing the gazebo's structural integrity. But don't worry, it's certainly been checked for safety hazards by Rory, newly an expert in construction after one day of volunteering building a house. It probably won't surprise you that Kirk is the manager for this event. He's got a bullhorn, and he is not afraid to use it. However, What he doesn't know is that Sookie secretly put a clause in his event contract that if you, our listener, are able to get a hold of the bullhorn and say, talking fast, into it, Kirk will be contractually obligated to go join the tap dancers to really take the evening's entertainment to the next level. He might have bum knees, but he's got a secret tap talent just waiting to be put on display at this marvelous event. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply but what did you think of like the actual argument that happened kind of devoid of the the things we've already critiqued but dean being all pissed off (laughs) that she's not available yeah i felt like this was a very actually good representation of like a fight between a young couple but also just any couple in general where like it starts out from a reasonable place like dean being frustrated that he's finding out Roy is canceling their plans last minute like they did agree to do something and he was like looking forward to it all day and so he's disappointed I think that's totally fine and he could communicate that to her and then she could communicate like yeah but you know my headspace has changed since then I'm not really in the place to go see 
Barbarella, which is a great movie. <laughs> she just wants to go home and stuff. And neither of them really communicate that successfully. They are like, she's like just being so anxious and he's being so jealous ultimately, like of Harvard, I guess, as he says later on. And um, it all gets very dramatic really fast when at a certain point I'm like, I think you're both coming from reasonable places here if you could just tell each other. But I guess that's why I think it's a good fight because I could see it happening in real life. <laughs> what about you? I agree. I like at first I wanted to be really angry at Dean for not respecting Rory's um, needs or whatever. But it is really like both of them miscommunicating or both of them not really knowing what they're feeling. <laughs> So I thought it was, it was, to me, it was mostly foreshadowing for the rest of the season and the coming tumult that will happen in their relationship. Um, Seriously. So we'll see what happens there. <laughs> right. It just underscores the whole thing about how they broke up and then they got back together and they had like one day where they hung out mm -hmm. and it was great <laughs> and they didn't address any of their underlying issues and now it's like what day two of being back together another fight like clearly about stuff that could have been resolved so easily if they were just communicating so mm -hmm. yeah foreshadowing super <laughs> mega much <laughs> yeah we get a super short scene after this um back at home where Lorelai is getting ready to go out to dinner and Rory is still like sifting through all these different possible extracurricular things and asking Lorelai why she never took her camping to get wilderness skills um which I can't see them camping <laughs> so I think that makes perfect sense I kind of wish I could just like go into an advisor kind of role with Rory here and like sit her down take all the things out of her lap and say okay what are some things that you value <laughs> okay let's find some charities or something you can do that will actually speak to your values instead of just right randomly grasping at straws to pad your resume and is she um she's going to be a sophomore or hey, a junior I think she's going to be a junior i think okay that she started in her sophomore year right like 16 so i guess the clock is ticking but like she's still young <laughs> the scene also features a pretty funny impression of dean on lorelei's part <laughs> she's like does this deep voice <laughs> and imagines he's just eating a bunch of fruit loops and keeps saying rory's name over and over again <laughs> which i thought was pretty on point <laughs> yeah accurate I used to love Fruit Loops when I was in high school. My friends and I would like, when we were tearing around town, you know, after school causing trouble, we'd just go and like get a box of Fruit Loops and sit by the pond and smoke cigarettes and eat Fruit Loops. Oh my um, God. <laughs> That's awesome. Small town Fruit things. Loops, very specific. It's like sugar, you know, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> when I, I'm trying to think when I would leave school, we would like walk to a gas station and I would usually get candy of some kind and then we might walk to the library and I they had like a coffee machine that would pour out a cappuccino for mm -hmm. you or like a french vanilla 
And it was basically just straight sugar, too. <laughs> and I would love that. And then I would go on the computers and probably do, like, a chat room or something like that back in those days <laughs> where they don't know I'm, like, a 12-year-old kid. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> yeah. Me of chat roulette. Mm, that was no, a dangerous I was not big place. into that. I was too scared of, yeah, being exposed <laughs> online by men. <laughs> My friends and I, every once in a while in college, we'd sit in a dorm room and all get on chat roulette together and just like speed through people cracking up. That was pure entertainment. <laughs> yes. Anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah, taking us back to the episode, once Lorelai is done with her good Dean impression, she heads to dinner to meet Max, where um, we discover that, you know, what Emily said to her is kind of in her head. She is not really into this date at all. She seems like she's kind of off thinking about things. She mentions Rory. Max says he could help her. And then they kind of get to the real thing, uh, the truth of the matter, after Max has been telling her about how he told his parents that they're getting married and they are, like, really excited. What I think is so sweet is that they have offered them a check for $35 and there will be three more installments. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> um, yeah, so cute. And so Lorelai, I think, is feeling a bit like she's kind of obsessing over the fact that her parents didn't react in such a supportive way. How much is 35 times 4? I, listeners, don't laugh at me. I am an English major. Oh, it's $140. That's so random. Like, why not yeah. 150 I have no idea. Also, what what does that buy you? Pretty much nothing. <laughs> but that was really cute. Mm-hmm. And it really... I thought that Max brought this up in a really good way. He was just being happy about their future, trying to talk about, you know, their future plans and everything. And Lorelai completely dumped on him. I felt kind of bad for Max in this situation, Though I also understand he has this easy relationship with with his parents and Lorelai has a terrible relationship with her parents. So obviously one needs a little bit more time to talk about than the other. But it was, I wish we got to meet Max's parents. I bet they're adorable. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I felt like in this scene and later on, Lorelai is like reacting in the opposite way that Emily did when Emily was hurt by not hearing about the engagement. Emily, like, shut down and repressed and, like, waited mm -hmm. till Lorelai brought it up. Whereas now Lorelai, reacting poorly to Emily's reaction, is almost like, uh, it's like these thoughts, not intrusive, but, like, almost exploding out of her. She mm -hmm. is, like, pouring out all of these thoughts and feelings that she could repress them a little bit more maybe but she's not holding back and so it's like coming out almost at max or like during their date um and then plays that role in her decision so like he not max doesn't even know but she directs them to the gilmore's house so she can kind of go confront emily about this in the middle of the night it seems in a really large way and it's just, like, so dramatic. <laughs> I felt so bad for Max during this, though I think he handled it pretty well. 
mm-hmm. like this is the first time he's meeting his potential in-laws and it goes like this that's not a great taste in the mouth <laughs> and on the car ride over as he, he doesn't realize where they're headed quite yet he's saying very um like intelligent things that to be fair, I think when you're in Lorelai's shoes would be hard to hear because you don't always want someone to like problem solve. Sometimes you just want them to like sympathize. And she's been dealing with this for years, whereas he is just now, you know, gaining um, insight to it. But he was saying like really encouraging things like this may be harder for your mom than you think it is. She just got back in your life and now everything is changing on her. Maybe once you get married and the things will settle down and you two can work it out. He offers to like be a buffer for them. I feel like he was saying all of the right things and in a different universe, like if they had been married and maybe it could have worked out. He seems like he would be a good partner is what I was observing from what we've seen so far. Yeah, he probably also would have, he would have been a great buffer since he like knows that world but he's also kind of distanced from it so that that would have been good but sadly what does happen is they show up at Emily and Richard's house and Lorelai just kind of bursts in and starts yelling at Emily for never caring about anything that happens in Lorelai's life um this was a really like a tear-jerking scene it was really sad all the things that Lorelai was saying but it was also equally sad Emily's react or response to that which is maybe this feels like what it felt like for me when I found out that my only daughter was getting married and she hadn't bothered to tell me but she told everybody else Mm -hmm. and that like shuts Lorelai down and she just walks out the door with her tail between her legs and it's just like it's a heartbreaking scene all around and poor Max has to just be like and my parents want to meet you meet you <laughs> for lunch yeah it was nice to meet you <laughs> it was a tearjerker it was like they were at tens from the very get-go mm-hmm. it's like you know this is going to be a, a lashing out kind of conversation and not a speaking and listening conversation <laughs> and that is what happened but it's very emotional yeah. in a way it needed to happen because I wonder how long Emily would have held out being passive aggressive about it if Lorelai had never like confronted her and pulled out the the truth. Mm-hmm. But it was still painful to watch. After this, we have what's my star's hollow moment slash scene for the episode, which is um, we go back to the to the Independence Inn and Suki is like trying to stuff these two different kinds of cookies down Michelle of course he won't he won't test them because he only eats 1500 calories a day which is starvation (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. or especially for a man um but then we end up getting into the kitchen and it's like filled to the brim with cookies and cakes and all sorts of fancy treats and Suki's been working on this engagement party for, it seems like, days <laughs> with how much she's cooked. And it all looks really delicious. I, I would like to eat some of that stuff. We don't really get it, get much more here, except now Lorelai knows that the, the engagement party is happening. 
Right. And she clarifies with Suki, like, did you happen to contact my mom about this? And Suki says yes, not really realizing that, like, Lorelai doesn't burden that on her. Like, it's all your fault. Luckily, she doesn't do anything like that. But we, the audience, know that Lorelai has kind of put two and two together at this point. Like, okay, Suki called her. She found out. Then I told her. We finally got the whole sequence of events sorted out. (laughs) I'm really glad Lorelai didn't say that it was Suki's fault. That would have been really, really sad. Because she hadn't meant to be mm-hmm. mean about it. The next we see of all of these wonderful baked treats is that they are at the wedding shower, which is my Stars Hollow nomination, actually, because I was just enchanted by this wedding shower that Sugi and I imagine the town put on. It's in the middle of the square, and I mean, it's hard to describe because it's really like out of this world there's lights strung up everywhere a lot of purple seems to be the theme um the gazebo has like a bunch of purple cloth around it there's all these candles that are on like stands so they're really tall um there Lorelai and Max seem to be surrounded by (laughs) hordes of presents and thrones like they have they're in like thrones it's so extravagant It's actually like a slightly different vibe than Stars Hollow normally is because it's very like, yeah, like extravagant, like I said. But it's just a feast for the eyes and it's like, where else could this happen than Stars Hollow? Like a one person is having a wedding shower and like the entire town is invited and you can just have it be in the middle of the square and it looks like it costs a lot of money, but that is never addressed. Yeah. (laughs) It's magical. (laughs) It reminds me of the wedding in the revival, um, just like a more realistic version. Like this party could actually be attained by normal people in a normal town. The wedding in the revival was kind of more than anybody could actually do. But yeah, yeah, I I liked this whole setup. It seemed like something that would happen maybe for Valentine's Day or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we have Miss Patty's dance class. They're all dressed up in like wedding outfits doing tap dancing. And we have Lane as the DJ and she is wearing my Lorelei's Closet nomination, which is I thought it was a really cool shirt. Um it was like kind of an abstract long sleeve shirt, I think, or at least it had short sleeves. It wasn't sleeveless, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) But it was like um, purples and pinks and it was kind of swirly, like you would see paint like mixed together. It had some rhinestones on it, but they weren't like... Tasteful rhinestones. (laughs) And in the the dark lighting, they weren't like blinding. But I really liked it and it, it is unlike anything I think we ever see Lane where it's not a band t-shirt. It's like, I don't know, kind of rock and roll, but not in the same way as most of her other clothes end up being. But I really liked it. I also didn't notice much much other fashion in this episode, to be honest. Yeah, I agree with you. That was one reason the hammer got my <laughs> pick. I guess it was the, the veils and hammers, like the episode title suggests, mm-hmm. were maybe two of the options. <laughs> yeah. Plus Lane's nice purple shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Other things I liked about this throughout is the role of Kirk. Um, <laughs> as you like accurately pointed out last episode, I feel like we're in the true character of Kirk now, and I just love that they're embracing it. Kirk is seems to be some kind of event planner. I'm not sure if someone like asked him to be the manager or if he just took that role on, but <laughs> he's walking around with um, a microphone. A bullhorn, I guess. And one of the things, the first things he says that makes me laugh is that Sector B of the buffet line is moving too slow. <laughs> He's like, got the buffet in sectors so organized. And he like yells a lot of different things at people until Lorelai takes the bullhorn away. But the other really funny scene between him and Rory, I thought was just like comedy gold. Sometimes they just get the comedy so right. Um, they're observing all of these little tap dancers from Miss Patty's dance studio, like you said. And Rory jokes like, oh, why don't why aren't you up there with them, Kirk? You know, just a silly joke. But he responds so seriously. I don't tap anymore. Bum knees. It's <laughs> like Kirk d- did tap like but he has bad knees. That's why he doesn't. That's why he's not tapping with them. And then it's like the next level he asks um. He's, like, worried about the gazebo being able to hold up all the girls. And Rory says something really funny about how it's structurally sound. Like, she's some expert after, like, a day <laughs> of building one house. And I don't think she built much of it. But it was just, like, huh, that was such a good scene. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to fit it in of, like, a nomination. But I appreciated it. We should come up with a nomination just for Kirk. Like, a Kirk's best or something like that. We'll, we'll brainstorm mm-hmm. it. <laughs> a moment by Kirk or something, yeah. like a film by Kirk. You know, yeah, yeah, something. We can get there. <laughs> One of the other things that we get to see in this engagement party is we're back with my favorite cu- couple, Suki and Jackson. Okay, <laughs> their interaction was amazing as well. <laughs> it was so cute. I also think that this interaction can be more evidence towards my reading Suki and Jackson as neurodivergent or Mm -hmm. autistic because both of them are taking things so literally and are just missing each other so much and it's it's adorable what happens so Jackson is still kind of nervous and freaked out because Suki's talking about all this wedding stuff just like the last episode and so you see him getting more nervous and more nervous and then he says something like um do you think I need a piano dropped on my head Suki's response is to take this very literally and said I don't think anybody actually needs a piano (laughs) dropped on their head <laughs> but what he was getting at was that okay, I get what you're saying. You want to get married and he he is like I'm not ready for marriage yet, but I will move in. And Suki's reaction is just wonderful. She's like she doesn't think he's serious. She just laughs and giggles and stuff and that's the end of it. Their interactions are just so great. <laughs> right. I like I feel like it's hard to describe why Suki's like laughter at the end of the scene is so funny. Like you have to watch it, but it's just like infectious her laughter <laughs> is. The way that she's just like laughing, she keeps like pausing and then laughing again and he's saying like I'm serious, like I'll move <laughs> in with you. And 
then she like also impersonates him at one point like i'll move in with you in like a deep voice (laughs) and he's like i'm being real uh it's just yeah it was really adorable and it's just nice to see their progression like you imagine they will move in together after they (laughs) get on the same page after this very like adorable scene (laughs) and even like as they're miscommunicating they're still at the same time communicating perfectly somehow because their their personalities are just so perfectly meshed they're a great couple i would love a suki and jackson spinoff show that would be pretty fun (laughs) but i also wouldn't want to see any drama in their relationship so maybe they better just stay side characters (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe it's actually ultimately a good place to be Otherwise, the conflict has to be within them. And I actually, um, I've been trying to like completely like separate any memories of like the conflicts that they have later on Um, because I know they do come up eventually. There's a couple things I don't like the way things go down between them a couple times and we'll get there, but I'm just like bracketing that (laughs) and enjoying all of this completely, Mm -hmm. you know, but... Yeah, Yeah, it's for the best. (laughs) The other thing that happens during this party is Luke is nowhere to be seen. And we can see Lorelai starting to kind of get uncomfortable about this and like wondering where he is. So she leaves her throne and goes and asks him to join. He's transferring ketchup into other ketchup bottles. I'm sure that's a normal thing to do. (laughs) And... um. She says that it's an event that he would sure surely hate, but she would like him to come anyways. And he does come out. He comes out and sits on a bench with little tap dancers and wedding dresses. And at that image, I have seen mm-hmm. so many great memes and stuff of. Um, but he does show up for her in the end. Yeah. I felt like this was not worth spending a whole Friday night dinner critique on. But I thought it was not cool of Lorelai to be like at her literal wedding shower, look wistfully over at Luke's and then go request him to come when she says like, I know this isn't your scene, but I would Mm -hmm. still think it's like important for you to be there for me. And like supposedly I guess we hear that Lorelai doesn't think Luke is into her even though everyone tells her that and practically he tells her that but I don't think like you're engaged to someone else like he should move on like it he shouldn't go to your wedding shower like there should be (laughs) space there for him to like go be interested in someone else but you're kind of just like dragging him into all of these personal moments of you and the relationship you chose with someone else, I felt bad for him in that moment. And I was like, Lorelai, let him go. <laughs> yeah. She also doesn't even go and like chat with him or anything. No. He just ends up having to watch her dance with Max, which is just more torture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was she could have she could have just enjoyed the night without him, I think. Like, as a friend, Mm -hmm. yeah, he could have gone, but he'd obviously made a choice that I think was better for him. Yeah. Yeah, it ends with um, Miss Patty and Kirk dancing, which was (laughs) an interesting pairing. (laughs) Yeah. They, uh, I wonder if there's any Miss Patty and Kirk fan fiction out there. (laughs) 
I don't see it. Honestly, <laughs> I don't want to know for that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the final scene seems to be the next day. Um, this is my gazebo moment as well. Uh, Lorelai stops by Emily's with like two veils that she's picked out. And this is clearly like her version of an olive branch here trying to establish peace with Emily um, by asking her like, give me, could you like, it's like asking her to be part, you know, of the wedding planning, like which veil do you think? It's very simple, but there's so much running underneath it. I thought it was like a really touching way for her to um, try to apologize in not as many words and... Another thing I appreciated about the scene is that it is such a parallel to the earlier scene that opened with her and her like newspaper veil and her not knowing what kind of veil would work and Rory not really offering helpful advice either. Sort of that idea of like the importance of having us like a mother figure or type in your life at that time of wedding planning and it's like something she's been missing perhaps. And we all know Emily has very authoritative opinions on things like fashion. So I thought, like, what a perfect way to try to, like, extend the olive branch through this language of, like, veils and fashion and whatnot. Um, Emily doesn't quite take the bait on this, though, like I thought she would. Um, She's still pretty cold. And uh, Lorelai has to kind of speak out the apology in many more words. She says... A lot of things I think we've brought up basically saying if you didn't notice we don't communicate very well Um, when good things happen I'm afraid you'll kind of minimize them and make me feel bad about them when bad things happen I'm afraid you'll say like I told you so Um, Lorelai says like I take part of the blame but I want you to know like your words have effects on me even if you think they don't so I hope I summarize that well but um Emily doesn't actually respond to this either. They like they have a, like a big use of silences, you know, between the two of them. But she does say that her head is too big for a veil, <laughs> which I think is her way of, you know, moving forward a bit. So also return to the very funny bit about Lorelai burning all of her childhood pictures because of her big head. Emily suggests that she wears a tiara. That is what she wore. And Lorelai looks very like moved by this fact And we get a sense that there has been some resolution between the two of them. Debatable about like how large that resolution is, how lasting it is, but I thought it was a moving scene overall. Yeah, I think they both admitted to things that they had been avoiding in the past. Lorelai admitted A, that Emily knows her well, and B, that Emily's... um, words have an effect on her and Emily admitted that she and Lorelai are similar which we've said many times <laughs> but they like refuse to believe about themselves but yeah I loved this moment it was such a good I mean there's no way we could expect them to have a real true heartfelt conversation both sides and everything, but I thought that this fit with their personalities well, and it was a huge step forward in many ways compared to the kinds of things we've seen so far between the two of them. So it was a good ending, I think. 
And there's no easy way to transition to this, but since we're at the end, I wanted to say I forgot to do my Rory's Bookshelf nomination earlier on when we were covering the earlier part of the episode. So my bookshelf moment was, let me scroll to find it again, Um, at Chilton when Rory and Paris are talking. And Rory is basically like, when will you admit that it's silly that we're in this feud when you know, like, it's over nothing? Like, I didn't even agree to go to PJ Harvey's with Tristan. And Paris says, sorry if you thought we had a deep Thelma and Louise thing going, but we didn't. And that is my uh, nomination, Thelma and Louise being such a classic movie. And let me look up what year that was. But I just love that movie so much. I don't, I've never seen that movie. I know about it, the cultural references, but I've never seen it. So yeah, it's from 1991. It's really about two women who kind of run away together. They're on the, they do something that makes them be like fugitives of the law. So they're being chased. They run into a very young and sexy Brad Pitt. (laughs) Um, so much about like themes of like freedom, female friendships, female like desire, sexuality, all of these fun things. But at the heart of it is like this friendship between Thelma and Louise and they are like the epitome of it's cheesy to say, but you know, like the ride or die. They're li- they're driving a car, you know, so they really are riding <laughs> and then it may or may not end and you know, I can't say, but um, <laughs> I, I thought it was a great reference. I have seen the memes from the ending (laughs) that was actually so I was gonna end by asking you about your Rory's bookshelf moment because I didn't have one this episode and that was Mm. because there was barely any references in the whole episode I was really surprised like the only other thing they talked about Amazon (laughs) like they didn't talk about it yeah but you're like do I want to give that to Amazon Bezos they didn't talk about books or movies or anything really so mm-hmm. I had a backup as well um when Rory gets back from volunteering Dean says the movie Barbarella is playing and that's a 1968 movie starring Jane Fonda like Jane Fonda is much younger and it's kind of like this sci-fi feminist sort of really surreal wacky oh it's so good I would recommend it it's very trippy um, but I just, I was laughing thinking about Dean seeing Barbarella. <laughs> I need to uh, see that. That sounds like right up my alley. I think you would have fun with it and we could talk about it. But yeah, overall, not as many, um, references that I noticed too. Hopefully we'll get them back next, next episode. <laughs> I almost said next semester. I was like, i'm hoping the episode three will bring us some like new storylines to Mm -hmm. like get us moving forward in season two so we'll see so in the meantime you can follow us on instagram at talking fast podcast or email us your thoughts at talking fast podcast at gmail.com and please rate and review us on spotify and apple podcasts and i think That's it for this episode. (laughs) Okay. Talk to you next week.